Several years ago, we drove to Boston uh, for vacation. We wanted to, to see all the historical stuff. And so uh, one day we, we walked the Freedom Trail and the, the Freedom Trail goes down Tremont Street and then it turns right on School Street. Well, on the corner of Tremont Street and School Street is King's Chapel. Uh, King's Chapel was established in 1686, something like that. Um, it was the, the first Anglican church uh, in New England. You know, John Wesley was an, an Anglican priest. Uh, they are also famous for having the, the first pipe organ. Uh, they got that in like 1713. Uh, and, and their pulpit, it's a wine glass shaped pulpit, uh, kind of like, like ours except higher up. Uh, that uh, pulpit is the uh, longest active pulpit in the entire country. Someone's been preaching from that pulpit since 1717. Uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Well, we walked into King's Chapel, and um, it, they didn't have pews like we have pews. They actually had these boxes on the floor. They, they actually called box pews. And uh, a particular family would, would have that particular pew, just kind of like s some of us like to come in and, and claim our spot. Like, this is my pew. I'm going to sit here uh, every week. Except with them, uh, this family would, would pay uh, a yearly uh, fee uh, and, and kind of buy this pew. So they could put their name on it, they could decorate it. Um, you know, the, the walls were kind of high and they would bring like f uh, foot stoves and uh, the, it would, it would con contain the heat and trap the heat. Um, what was so cool ab about visiting that place was, was seeing all the different people, uh, famous people in their 334 year history that, that had, uh, had, had been in these box pews. Like, uh, George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and, and Paul Revere and um, Oliver Wendell Holmes. I mean, it, it was really fascinating. Uh, I love history. Well, um, I, I decided to, to kind of study the history of, of the offering plate, and I learned some interesting things, too. Um, you know, uh, not until the late 1800s did churches really depend on um, voluntary gifts to, to fund their ministries. Um, these uh, uh, churches in the American colonies, like the government of, of, of the United States early on, uh, they're the ones who established and sanctioned and, and even financed uh, churches, because that's the way it was in England. And, and so for the members of those congregations, uh, they didn't think anything of that. Uh, but states gradually started to rescind these religious tax laws. And, and in 1833, Massachusetts was the last one to do that. And so now all of a sudden, uh, churches have to, uh, to begin thinking about uh, how, are, how are we going to fund our ministries? And that's one of the reasons why they, they started renting or, or selling the pews to people. I learned that it wasn't really until after the Civil War um, that churches began to teach uh, this, this biblical principle of tithing. Well, in the King's Chapel in Boston, uh, the, the seats up in the balcony weren't like the, the box pews on the floor. They had different seating up there and they didn't rent them initially to the people so that the church could distinguish between its congregants. So if you were poor, if you didn't have enough wealth to rent one of the box pews on the bottom floor, uh, you sat up there. And if you were a person of color, it didn't matter what you made, uh, people of color had to sit in the balcony. 
Um, even after slavery was abolished, uh, the, the church continued that practice. Um, but we know about that. That was common everywhere. In our, in our text for today, in Luke chapter 8, it's, it's a short text. It's just three verses, but there's so much packed in it. Uh, Luke paints this picture. Um, before there were church buildings, before there were pews, before there were offering plates, uh, what we see, it, it's just Jesus. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus and his followers, and, and they're just moving away, on their way, uh, through the cities and, and through the villages. Um, one of the things that uh, kind of grabbed my uh, attention as, as I was reading this was um, that, that they were going, proclaiming and, and bringing the good news of the kingdom. And, and in my notes, I just kind of was like, oh, what does that look like? bringing the kingdom. They were going from, from place to place, God's people on the move, and they were bringing it. <laughs> it, it made me think of uh, Ezekiel's vision of the temple. You remember it. Uh, God shows uh, Ezekiel this vision, and, and coming off the, the, the front of the temple, over the threshold, this, this water is starting to trickle, and it grows, and it becomes this great river. It's a powerful image that this river that flows from the sanctuary, um, it snakes around and, and it goes into the wilderness places and then it flows into the sea of stagnant waters. Well, uh, when you look at the map, you see that's the Dead Sea. And it says when this river that, that comes from the sanctuary flows into the Dead Sea, like everything comes to life. The stagnant water, the dead water is, is no longer stagnant. And it says that um, in, in this uh, in this Dead Sea, there were fish of every kind, like every kind of fish, together in one place. And, and see, one of the things about this passage, these, these few short verses that we see about Jesus, is that, is that Jesus brings people together. When Jesus is around, uh, there's no partiality, there's no pew box, there's no balcony. They're just together. And it's an interesting group. Like uh, Luke tells us that, that, that the 12, they, they were with him. Well, that's the 12 disciples, uh, those that he chose. And we talk about them a lot. Uh, they were kind of a motley crew. Um, some of them we know were fishermen. Uh, one of them uh, was a tax collector. One of them we know was a, a, a revolutionary. Um, they were kind of a, a muddled, confused group. And as we read the stories of the New Testament, and we encounter them, sometimes uh, we're, we're shaking our head. They needed lots of help. Uh, you got to wonder sometimes what Jesus thought about them. But, but then Luke mentions these women. There is um, Mary of, of Magdala. Says that, that Jesus had uh, cast out seven demons from her life. Now, now, popular legend has it that Mary was a prostitute, but, but the scriptures, um, they don't support that. But, but clearly she had a dark past. These women that were, were following Jesus, um, Luke says that uh, Jesus had cured them of, of all kinds of things. He mentions uh, Joanna. Joanna was the wife of a, of a rich uh, and powerful husband. Uh, Chusa was a, a steward of Herod. And, and the steward, like his, his role in that administration would be to take care of the, of the king's personal 
belongings and property and, and finances. Uh, so he would have been um, greatly uh, trusted and respected. Uh, he also uh, would, have, would have been very wealthy. And so it's interesting to, to see uh, all of them together because Luke tells us um, that they provided for them, meaning they provided for Jesus and, and the disciples. Uh, they provided for um, this journey, this, this ministry that is the, the church without walls. And so you've got the disciples who have all these different means. You've got these women. Um, interesting that you've got Mary with her dark past and Joanna, who's a lady of the court. They brought different things to, the, to this whole movement, this kingdom thing that was happening. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, they brought what they had. Some of the women brought their financial resources um, and, and some of them brought their gifts. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John are going up to the temple and uh, this, this crippled beggar uh, uh, looks him in the eyes and, and begs for alms and, and you can just see Peter as you read the story in Acts chapter 3 that he just gets down and, and, and uh, looks in his eyes and, and he says, you know, I don't have any gold and I don't have any silver. He says, but what I do have, I'll give it to you. And then he proceeds to, to pray for this man. And the man finds healing. And he gets up and he starts dancing and he starts rejoicing. An example um, of the commitment that we make, this commitment to be the church, to follow Jesus in the way, and to bring what we have. They brought what they had, and it made all the difference. So Luke tells a story. Jesus and his disciples are in the temple treasury, and they're seeing people come uh, to give their offering. Now the temple treasury, uh, the offering receptacles, uh, were trumpet-shaped, and they were metal. And so people would come, and they would toss their offering uh, into these trumpet-shaped uh, uh, collection boxes. And so, so a rich person might come by and just... It would be loud because they had a lot. And sometimes they liked that. They liked for other people to see and hear uh, what they were giving. But then this poor widow comes and Jesus points her out. She has two pennies. And she gives two pennies. Not loud at all. Easy to be missed. And yet Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, uh, you, did you see that woman? Uh, she gave more than the others. And they're confused by that. And Jesus says, they gave out of their abundance. Uh, she's given all she has. It's this generous love for God and, and, and for God's temple. I, I've wondered about our offering plates. Like, what's the future of our offering plates? Uh, they're not really practical. I, I think when we're all back in here, I, I don't see us passing offering plates anymore. Like these days, uh, we've had to find different ways to give. Maybe you're mailing your, your offering into the church. Uh, maybe you're, you're bringing it by on, on your way to the grocery store. Uh, 
Um, maybe you're, you're giving online. I don't know, if you're like me, there, there's something about um, our, our offering being this um, sacred moment, that, a physical act. We want to replicate that in our online services, so like that in our service together, um, that, that we give our offering to God. Um, I, I also these days of, of pandemic, um, I thought about what we give. You know, this is a hard time to, to, to talk about giving money and, and even to ask to give money. I, I think uh, a lot, have a lot to give and, and experience the, the joy of, of giving lots. But I, I also think... Um, a lot don't have much at all, and that might be a change, that might be a new thing, and, and we can struggle with that. And that's why I think Jesus' lesson with his disciples is, is critical for us. Like, God knows our hearts. God knows our love for each other, our, our, our love uh, for all that this congregation is doing. And God knows that we'll bring what we've got. Just like Peter said, I don't have silver and gold. But, but I'll bring what I do have. And, and that's a prayer that can bring healing. And so as we uh, talk about stewardship these days, I want that to be very clear. And not just these days, but always. That regardless of where we are on this journey, that we'll know that we're among this group. Sometimes we have financial means, and, and sometimes we have our prayers, and sometimes we have our gifts. I've thought about the resources that we have, and sometimes our resources is uh, using my car to pick someone up to take them to a doctor's appointment, or in these days to pick up somebody's groceries and drop them off on their porch so that they can safely have some food. Uh, we're finding ways to make a difference, and that matters. Uh, November 1st, next Sunday, uh, that's our Pledge Sunday. Uh, we do that every year. And if you're new to our congregation and maybe new to that concept, uh, you know, as a, as a church, we, we put a budget together uh, for the year 2021. Um, and we're asked to make pledges. Uh, what is an amount that I anticipate being able to give? Um, many of us are committed to the biblical principle of tithing, which is giving 10% of our income to the church. Uh, others have different ways uh, of, of figuring out uh, in all that they have um, what they're going to bring and what they're going to give to God and, and give to the church. And it's really helpful with the pledge card because it enables the uh, church leaders to say, uh, this is what we can plan for and this is what we can do. And so on, on November the 1st, we're going to uh, have a, a drive-by, bring your pledge card uh, to the church. I like that because it's going to be this physical act where I can bring my pledge to God. I, I kind of hope that, I haven't mentioned this to anybody yet, but it would be cool, wouldn't it? Like if in our cars we could just snake like a river through the parking lot and, and get to the spot where all of us staff will be. We have, we'll have a gift for you. Uh, and it'll be a sacred time. You know, I love being your pastor. I love the way that you lead. Um, not only the way you lead in our faith community, but the, but the way that you lead in, in our community of Waynesville, I find myself following you and our incredible staff all the time. And the reality of my life is, is that, that I wind up in places that, that I probably never would be 
because I'm following you there. And it's, and it's really cool. It's really like this uh, river flowing out of the sanctuary, going into desolate places and, and, and bringing life. So I want you to know um, that, that, that Chan and I are going to be the first to bring our pledge, uh, that we're all in. Uh, we are committed to you. We are committed to this church. Uh, we are committed to bringing God's kingdom to our community in, in every possible way, with our financial resources, with our prayers, with, with our being present, uh, with whatever it means on any given day uh, for us to be a follower of Jesus. Because we know this, that when God's people are on the move, and, and when they're bringing it, when they're bringing all they can, then the kingdom of God comes close. It comes really close. And that's not just good news. That's great news. I'm excited to be the church with you. Amen. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I believe that's true, but I've also been on the receiving end of some amazing generosity. I know what it's like to be blessed when, when people give and when people provide. And one thing that I know about the people in our community, uh, they are blessed because they, they receive from First United Methodist Church. When First United Methodist Church brings it, when First United Methodist Church gives, uh, the world isn't the same. And so as we go today, I pray that, that we go following Jesus in this way, this way that goes to, to places that needs the church to go, and that we'll live in this blessedness, in this joy, in this generosity, that we'll bring it, and that the world will know it, and that the kingdom will be near. God bless you and go in peace. Amen.